cable to our uh, my guardian angel engineer, Patrick Bocard, to the founders and continuing voices of the Talking Earth, Walt Curtis and Barbara Lamorticella. I'm Dan Raphael. I have books around too. Hey, and uh, hopefully more readings in the future. Take care of yourselves and good night. FM, K282BH, Philomath on 104.3 FM, and K220HR, Hood River on 91.9 FM. Hello, dear listeners. Oil for Kisses is a monthly program on KBOO 90.7 FM, Portland, that highlights the headier and weirder sides of underground metal, post-punk, DIY hardcore, and beyond. Every month features a different theme where we delve into the history of a specific genre topic or musical location, or simply churn out the best, brightest, and ugliest sounds from around the globe. Join me, DJ Krauthammer, every first Friday night, Saturday morning of the month, at midnight till 3 a.m. for Oil for Kisses to experience it for yourself. Only on KBOO 90.7 FM, Portland. This is KBOO Portland, community radio for the Pacific Northwest. Stay tuned at midnight for... Self-help radio. Right now, it's the bedtime radio show for grown-ups, Gremlin Time. And welcome once again. Uh, this is Fortunato. You're listening to Gremlin Time. Tonight we're going to present a couple of crime stories, some classic old-time radio series. Uh, one of them is going to be uh, a series by Jack Webb, uh, a sort of pet project of his where he's a uh, jazz musician back in Kansas City or St. Louis and it's back during the Prohibition days. It's a nice nostalgia piece from the late 50s about the uh, Prohibition era and uh, back when uh, jazz, back before all that uh, bebop jazz and here's uh, Jack, Ke- Jack Webb as Pete Kelly, a trumpet player. And that's going to be coming up later here on Gremlin Time. But first we're going to feature an episode of Nightbeat with Frank Lovejoy. Uh, he was a movie actor. He was usually like um, second lead or a villain. He was never quite the hero in any sort of A pictures. He's in um, the Humphrey Bogart movie in A Lonely Place. He's also in the Burt Lancaster film noir, The Killers. And here he stars as Randy Stone, a reporter for the Chicago Star. And he wanders the city at night looking for stories. And, this evening's story finds him at the Waterfront Carnival, where he meets Medellano, the mental marvel. 
this is Randy Stone. I cover the night beat for the Chicago Star. My stories start in many different ways. This one began with a question and ended when the secret locked in a man's mind brought sudden death. Night Beat, starring Frank Lovejoy as Randy Stone. Tonight I had another story to write. Find it somewhere in the 3,000 square miles of Chicago, among the people who are Chicago. People. (laughs) Ever get the feeling you'd like to forget that word? Close a mental door, snap a psychic lock, and boom, you're alone? (laughs) Can't do it, pal, because maybe you're people, too. (laughs) So tonight I watched them again. I wandered south on Western Avenue, crossed Addison, and there was Riverview Park. I walked around there, watching the people hurry themselves from one thing to another, each one trying to catch up with a couple of hours of fun. And then I saw a sign that read, Mentalo, the marvel of the age, knows everything. Admission, 25 cents. Okay, I'm a sucker for any man who knows everything and freely admits it. You might even know what makes the world tick, like a time bomb. That'd be worth two bits of anybody's money. I went in. Mentalo was in the middle of his act. Waterloo proper was begun at 11.30 a.m. on June the 17th, 1815. The battle went through five distinct phases until the French were routed. That right, lady? Well, yes, it is. It sure is. Now, who's next? Who has the next question? Uh, you, sir. You just came in. You uh, seem a little skeptical. Uh, are you talking to me? I am, sir. Maybe you'd like to ask Mentalo a question. Oh, all right. Uh, what's the temperature of the sun? Mentalo, the gentleman thinks he stumped you. The temperature of the visible surface of the sun is about 6,000 degrees centigrade. The interior temperature is estimated at approximately 20 million degrees centigrade. Is that correct, sir? I'll take his word for it. (laughs) And you can, sir. Now, who's next? I got a question. Very good. Ask it. Mentalo. Yes. What happened? What happened to you on the 15th of last month? What happened... Uh, the 15th? Yeah, the 15th. Yeah, the 15th. The 15th. I, 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 make him get out of here. Get him away. That's all for this show. 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 That's all now, look, Mr. Rice, said everybody clear out. Yes, I know, but this man collapsed. He looks pretty beat. I said get out. But... Okay. And make it fast. Okay. Real fast. So I made it real fast, like the man said. But as I walked through the carnival grounds, that bird brain of mine that just won't let me grow old gracefully started working overtime. Why did Mentalo do a nosedive when that question was asked? What happened to him on the 15th of last month? <laughs> Listen tomorrow at the very same time and just plain stone will tell you all about it. <laughs> but then, just as I'd reached the edge of the carnival grounds, a voice pushed its way through my thoughts. It was the man who'd asked the question. I walked over to the shooting gallery and picked up one of the rifles. I say, yeah, mister. Test your eye and your aim. Why, sure, sure. Thank you. Well, that was close. Pretty close. I'll try to do better. 
Ah, just a little more practice, that's all. A little practice. Yeah, like everything else. Uh-huh. Well, that's better. Hmm. Uh, by the way, what happened to you on the 15th of last month? I... Take your shots and beat it. Why did you ask that question? Give me the rifle, mister. I got five more shots coming. Not tonight. Give me it. I pays my quarter. It takes my shot. I said hand me the rifle. Uh, okay, here. You want to see something? Watch. Well, with bullets or words, the man's good. You ain't a Connie man. No? No. But you're awful curious. That's an old family failing and an occupational hazard. Uh-huh. Why did you ask Medlow that question? Did you know how it would affect him? You know, mister, a couple of months back, a guy picks up one of these rifles. He don't know nothing about guns, see? He gets careless and the gun goes off. At him. He's dead. Accident. Uh, you know, uh... Pal, you have a strange, oblique way of making me feel uncomfortable. I uh, see what you mean. Uh-huh. Now you're hitting the bullseye. So long, mister. Okay, twice I got curious, twice I drew blanks. I thought about it some more and then decided to pass it up in favor of the cotton candy. And then I saw Mentolo. He was walking down the midway, but like a man in a trance. There was something about him that screamed, I need help. His little figure seemed odd and congruous against the laughing, hurrying people. I followed him, wondering. And then he stopped in front of the roller coaster. For a moment he watched it, and then, as if suddenly making up his mind, he headed for the ticket booth. That didn't figure, so I bought a ticket, too, and followed him to the loading platform. Tickets for the next ride, please. Tickets for the next ride. Hey, Arm. Oh, thank you. Tickets for the next ride. Tickets for the next ride, please. I got in the car directly behind Mendelo. That dazed, bewildered expression was still on his face. His hands gripped the side of the car. He half rose in his seat as though he were going to leave, but he sat down again. And then... All right. Lock the safety bars. It's 200 feet up. Lock your safety bars. We started up the long incline toward the top of the 200-foot grade. I kept my eyes on Mentolo. He gripped the safety bar in front of him until his knuckles whitened under the pressure. A couple of kids behind me began to rip me. Gee, Ty, I'm getting scared. Hey, mister, you gotta have a throw with you. I did, but I left her in the fun house. Oh, what a square she must be. Hey, if you get scared, mister, hold on to me. I'll, I'll keep that in mind. Hey, baby, I paid four bits for this. Let's have a song cookie. <laughs> hey, hey, watch it. We're going over. Oh, here we go! And then it happened. He started down the almost perpendicular drop. Mentolo stood up. Mentolo! Let me go! Let me go! Mentolo struggled to his feet, almost dragged me out of my feet. I held him while we heard down the long drop and finally hit the bottom. And then Mentolo stopped struggling to get free. He went limp and sagged back into his seat. Why did you stop me? I've got to kill myself. Well, he almost did, and me with him. My arms ached from the effort of holding him down. But the ride was finally over. I got him off and away. He let me lead him like a child out of the park and into his cheap hotel room on the north side. I told him who I was and then waited until he spoke. 
Uh, why? Why didn't you let me do it? Well, I'm just an old busybody. Uh, how about some coffee? No. No, nothing. Just, just leave me alone, please. Uh, just a minute. Hmm? I saw your act tonight. I heard the question that sent you off. It's always someone different who asks it. Never the same person twice. Have you ever got hold of a person who asks it? No. I was afraid to. What uh, did happen to you on the 15th of last month? Hmm? Uh, uh, I, I don't know. Something tells me that I must not remember. I must not! Your act is legitimate, isn't it? Legitimate? Yeah, no fake. You know, no shills to ask questions you're sure to know the answer to. I have a photographic memory, Mr. Stone. I never forget anything. Yet you've forgotten one day of your life. Yes. Yes. You you don't believe it, do you? Oh, yes, 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 I do. But uh, why did you try to kill yourself? Because I know that if I do remember, I, I wouldn't be able to stand it. Don't you have any clue at all? Two things. Two things that mean nothing. Well, maybe they do. What are they? It just streamers in the sky and the name Helene. Streamers in the sky and Helene. Who is Helene? I don't know anybody by that name. I don't. I tell you, I don't. All right, all right. Now, take it easy, Metalo. Oh, get out and leave me alone. Get out. Yeah. Get out and leave him alone. Phil. Phil. Well, well, my friend the Barker. Hello. What are you doing here? I brought Metalo home after he tried to kill himself. What? Metalo. You all right? Yeah, I'm all right, Phil, but I, I, I don't want to remember. Look, Phil, for what it's worth, he's sick. He's got to see a doctor. No, Phil, get him out of oh, here. Oh, miss, mister, get out. But this man is... Get out and don't come back. Because if you do anything that hurts Mendelo, I'll kill you. This evening on Gremlin Time, we're listening to an episode of Night Beat starring Frank Lovejoy from May of 1950. And now back to Night Beat and Randy Stone. Like I said before, sometimes you'd like to seal off the rest of the world and forget it. Let a thousand people die in a flood, we click our tongues and say, How terrible. That's as far as it goes. But let one kid scratch himself on a nail and 87 people come running with the iodine. The human reality of what happens to a lot of people at once is too big for us. But what happens to one individual is something each of us can get hold of. I don't know, maybe that's what sent me to a friend of mine, a psychiatrist whom I dragged out of bed. Oh, but Randy, what concern is mental all of yours? Oh, I don't know, Ken. Why'd you become a psychiatrist? Why? <laughs> I see what you mean. Okay, okay, you see what I mean. Now, what what gives with Mendelo? Self-protection. His mind is protecting him. Whatever happened on the 15th of last month is suppressed. The memory is horrible enough to force a complete blackout. Yeah, but he remembers two things, Ken. Streamers in the sky and the name Helena. What what do the uh, streamers mean? Almost anything. This guy's symbol for something else. Yeah, he tried to kill himself tonight. Will he try it again? Most likely. Well, uh, well, what'll set him off again? Hard telling. Question, object, anything. Was uh, Mentolo upset when you left him? Upset? He was practically hysterical. I'd better go with you. Oh, you're worried too, huh? I, uh, I'd feel better if I saw him. Let's go. Here's the room. It's right here, 612. Uh, Randy, try the door. 
know where the light is? I think I saw a switch by the door. Uh, ah. Mandy. Man below. Don't fight one fast in that, Buckle. Cut the belt. Lift him. Hurry. All right. Cut that belt. Hurry up, Andy. Is he alive? I think so. All right. Easy, Kent. There. Pulse is still strong. He couldn't have been hanging more than a few seconds before we came in. Poor little devil, Ken. Look, Randy. What? There's something clutched in his hand. But, why, yes, that's a key. That's an old-fashioned house key. Now, why? I, I don't know. Well, what's your guess? It's hard telling, Randy, but I do know this. He's no longer responsible for his actions. But then the next time he tries anything like this, maybe nobody will be around to stop it. Ken, is there anything that we can do? Is there anything you can do? It's up to him, Randy, but... Um, let's get him to my office. We'll see what we can do there. Feeling better, Mentalo? Yes, thank you. You know where you are? I... No. No, where's Phil? Oh, you're Barker? I don't know. Now, now listen to me, Mentalo. You, uh... You tried to hang yourself. Do you remember that? Yes. After Phil left, I, I felt so hopeless. You had this in your hand, this key. Look at it. I, I found it in my pocket, and then I knew I had to kill myself. Is it your key? Do you remember what it's for? No. You won't remember that, Randy. Oh. Well, who, who, who are you? He's a friend of mine, and he's a doctor, Mentalo. Well, I don't want to... Now, look, twice tonight you tried to kill yourself. Once is enough to call in the police. No. Oh, don't worry, don't worry. That's not what we want to do. I want to help you, and the doctor wants to help you. Please believe that. No one can help me because I can't remember, and I... I must not remember. The police will ask questions when they learn you tried to kill yourself. But it's no business of theirs or yours. Why don't you leave me alone? Why do you care? Oh, that's the same old question asked the same old way, and this time I've run out of answers. Make up one of your own. I don't know. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I believe you do want to help. Yes, yes, we do. Now, look. There'll be no need to call in the police if you let us help you. You're sick. Do you know that? You're sick. Let us help you. I... All right. Good. Now, you trust Mr. Stone, don't you? Uh, yes, 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 I do. All right. You're going to sleep. When you feel this hypodermic needle, start counting backward from a hundred. Just a little sting... Then start counting backward from a hundred. Now, Mr. Stone. Mr. Stone. What, Mandelow? You stay. Stay near? Oh, yes, yes, I'll stay. Start counting. Randy, he trusts you. You asked the question. Is it all right? Yes. Mentalo, can you hear me? Yes. It's the 15th of last month. The 15th of last month. Streamers in the sky. What streamers? What are they? Where are they? The Aurora Borealis. The Northern Lights? Yes. Yes. Aurora. I, I went to Aurora. Aurora, Illinois? Yes. I was there. Ah. Now, you're in Aurora. Yes. 
Where did you go there? The house. Yes, I... I've got to open the door. The key... Here. Here's the key. Unlock the door. She's going to be here. Helene. Who is Helene? I love her. She loves me. There's the room. The room? All right. All right, now you're in the room. What did you do? I waited. Waited for her. And she came in. And then I... I... Mental Helene! Ken, is he all right? Yes. <laughs> we still don't know what happened. <laughs> one way to find out, Randy. What, find the house in Aurora and take him there? That's it. <laughs> what we've done here is bring him to recall that far. You see? Now it's a question of bringing back the whole thing, bit by bit. Ken didn't go along. Mentalo didn't want him to. It wasn't a long drive in miles. I watched Mentalo when I could. His face was contorted in an agony of effort as we drove through Aurora slowly, looking for one street, one house. And then... That... That house. But it's all boarded up. Are you sure, Mentalo? It's that house. All right. The house set back from the street. The only light came from a street lamp half a block away. Mentalo walked slowly ahead of me. Up the walk toward the porch. Then up the porch stairs. Open the door. Locked. It, it was locked that day, too. Well, unlock it. You've got the key. Yes, yes. The key. Where's the light switch? No. No light. All right, all right. We'll use the flashlight. Now, go ahead, my boy. Go ahead. Now, there's no furniture here, Madelow. This, this house is vacant. Now, this is her house. I, I know. There were three of us here. Three. And this is the room. Go on. Madelow, think... Well, you've got to think. It's the only way you'll remember what happened. It's the only way you'll find out what's torturing you. She's here. She came to me in this room. Helene came to you here? Because she loved me. Where is she now? Her clothes. In this, this closet. Mentalo walked to the closet, opened it. A row of dresses hung there. A faint odor of perfume drifted through the room. For a moment, Mentalo stood there, and he started toward a door. Mentalo, where are you going? I know. I know. The basement. Wait for me. Down there. Down there. There's no one here, Mentalo. No one at all. The basement's empty. Not empty. She... She... Under the earth where I put her. 
it. Under the earth. Get it out. Come on, get a hold of yourself. What are you talking about? I killed her. She came to me because... Because we loved each other. I was holding her in my arms when I killed her. Now she... She's down here. Under our feet. I killed her. Who was she? I killed her. You're satisfied now? You're satisfied? Bill. Bill. What are you doing here? You had to stick your nose in. You had to make him tell, didn't you? Mantelow, are you sure? Are you sure? Yeah, he's sure. And so am I, because I helped him put her here. He'd never known if you didn't make him remember. Who was Helene? You're never going to know. Helene. Helene. You had to go and make him remember. It was all over. Nobody would have known because we traveled with the yak. Yes, but somebody did know. Because somebody asked him tonight what happened on the 15th. Somebody always asked that question. Why? And who was Helene? Helene? Helene was... Was his... His wife! What? He was jealous because she never loved him. She loved me. Then how could you have killed her, Mentalo? Listen to me. You only think you killed her. Because if she hadn't come here, she wouldn't have been killed. You blamed yourself. That's what it was. And then you forgot. The shock made you forget. Don't listen to her, Mentalo. Don't listen. I... I remember now. I remember... You killed her. Made me believe... But you're not going to tell anybody else about it. Both of you are going to stay here. I'm not afraid anymore, Phil. Because I know now I didn't kill her. You did, Phil. Mentalo went toward Phil. Phil had a gun pointed at him. I jumped back and turned off the flashlight. For a moment, there wasn't a sound. And then... Mentalo. Where are you? Medlow. Wait, Medlow. Don't move. You hear me? Don't move. Medlow. Stop! Medlow! Elaine is here, Phil. Down here. Shut up! Medlow. I'm all right. Good. Phil. What's it going to be now? Get me out of here! Away from her! Get me out of here! Well, it's almost dawn now. I can go home to my little trundle bed and sleep the day away. <laughs> Yo-ho-ho, the reporter's life for me. Oh, sure. But anyhow, I got my story. Two men... One whose feelings of guilt forced him to believe he killed the woman he loved. And another man whose feelings of guilt made him a gibbering coward. But uh, where's the moral? That someone always pays for a crime? Sure, but who is guilty? Maybe we should say what is guilty. What's in that space above our eyes that makes us act the way we do? That makes us people? <laughs> To louse up Shakespeare, there are more things in the darkness of the mind than a dreamed of in your philosophy, Mr. Stone. Oh, <laughs> you can call me Randy, pal. Just call me Randy. Copy, boy.
Tonight Beat, starring Frank Lovejoy, is produced and directed by Warren Lewis and edited by Larry Marcus. Tonight's script was written by Russell Hughes with music by Frank Worth. The part of Mentalo was played by Ben Wright. Listen next week at this same time and every week as Randy Stone searches through the city for the strange stories waiting for him in the darkness. And that was uh, Frank Lovejoy in uh, Nightbeat, uh, broadcast in May of 1950. You're listening to Gremlin Time. This is Fortunato. The series Nightbeat ran from, I believe, 1950 to September 1952. So uh, I think it started in February of 1950. Uh, Frank Lovejoy had appeared previously in another radio adventure series as The Blue Beetle. And uh, that was, uh, might have a copy of that around, some copies of that around I can play sometime. I've usually been playing Night Beat now on uh, Monday Sampler, and so I thought I'd bring one in here. Very nice stories with the city, and they get very dramatic, and they always take an unexpected turn with them. So Frank Lovejoy has appeared in a lot of films. He's in the movie In a Lonely Place with Humphrey Bogart. He's in uh, The Killers with uh, Burt Lancaster and a number of other films. Um, let's see, they tried to make a television series out of Night Beat. Uh, this is part of that um, collection of productions called Four Star Productions, or the company. Uh, Dick Powell was in it, Ida Lupino, and a couple others, uh, movie stars, and this was a sort of production company, and they were trying to break into television. So uh, they tried to do Night Beat as uh, a, a television series in 1953, but it just got as far as a pilot episode, which was aired on uh, Dick Powell's four-star playhouse. Back in the 50s, there was lots of anthology shows that were produced on television. Up next, an episode of Pete Kelly's Blues. This is produced by Jack Webb. Uh, Around the same time as Nightbeat, Webb got this uh, produced as a sort of summer replacement series, so there's only a few episodes of it. Uh, He went on to make a feature film, Pete Kelly's Blues, and then he even was able in the late uh, 50s to uh, make a television series, even though he didn't star in it. So uh, this is set in Kansas City in the 1920s. Pete Kelly is a vet from World War One, and he's picked up the cornet, and he's making a living as a musician there in Kansas City. And he tries to stay out of trouble, but, you know, trouble just kind of finds him. This one's about Pete Kelly. Tell him this one's about the blues. Pete Kelly's blues. Pete Kelly's blues, starring Jack Webb, with story by Jim Moser, music by Dick Cathcart. Number 417 Sherry Street is a standard speakeasy. 
The help is paid in cash. The books are burned at the end of the month. Every week we use 30 cases of booze and a pound of coffee. After salaries, there's gas and lights and a payoff to the Prohibition boys. In Kansas City, the price is good. For a hundred bucks, they steer in the drunks and make one rate a year. The place is run by George Lupo. He's a quiet little guy who wouldn't give you the sweat off an ice pitcher. The beer's green and the gin's as young as yesterday and the music's loud. I'm Pete Kelly. I play cornet. We start every night about 10 o'clock and we play till they sweep out the broken glass. Uh, we don't draw any customers. We don't chase any away. The music is straight New Orleans. Started in the front parlors of Storyville and drifted up north. Some of it laid over in Chicago. That's where I got on. And rode it out here with a piano player named Augie. Well, he's still with a band, but last night he was barely with it. We took a break about 11. Augie was late getting back. Might as well have stayed in there because he kept looking around the room and the way the piano sounded, you'd think he had on the catcher's mitt. That'll do it. Let's get off for a while, huh? Sorry, Pete. Running a little behind tonight. You haven't left the station. What's the matter, Augie? I'm nervous. Take a look around. Near the door. Back this way. Place is full of cops. Well, forget it. Have Jake open a couple of windows. Take a walk. Get yourself in shape, huh? Not till I find out which way to fall. Before they're here for heavy duty, I learned that out in the kitchen. Now, let's step behind the stand. All right, what about it? You know that's Courtney? I drink his beer, that's all. Well, somebody shot Courtney up tonight out near Highway 40. That's too bad he'd have drawn a good crowd downtown. Who killed him? I don't know, but whoever he is, he's in for a big night. The police are trying for him. So's his partner. Well, let him play. How does our place fit into it? I couldn't guess, but we'll find out soon. See the big guy that just walked in the door? Yeah, boss cop? Almost at 30 Newman, Dutch Courtney's partner. Come on, we better get back in the stand. My name's Newman. Come on, side. Well, we're due to play. I'll hear you later. Come on. You hear about Dutch, Courtney? I came out of the mud tonight. Means nothing to me. Does to me. Dutch was a friend. Well, if it'll help, try. <laughs> I'm short on time, Kelly. Now, give me a rundown on Gus Trudeau. There's nothing to say. He played for a while and he went to the boonyard. You know him, you know his sister. You'll have to ask Courtney about that. I haven't seen her since the old days. You know Gus well enough to figure he didn't like Dutch Courtney. He didn't like him one pound. Well, you can't blame him. Dutch sidestepped and paid Trudeau's way to jail. Bookkeeping, I don't know anything about it. All right, look, Newman, you're on the wrong track. This is a job killing. Your boy got frisky and somebody sent down a Chicago gun. The price tag shows. Sorry, Trudeau's my pick. What'd he hit him with, a high-powered rifle? Gus Trudeau's away up in Leavenworth. He used to be. Gus went over the wall this morning. When he shows up, I want him. Well, why pick me? I've asked around. He'll head for you. He's broke. He'll need train fare. No, not if he killed Dutch Courtney. Somebody will give him a railroad. When they dragged the blues out of the back room and moved them up front, there were three of the best leading the parade. They were all blowing cornets. One was Buddy Bolden, one was King Oliver, and the other was Gus Trudeau. Oh, he was a lot of music, but not much man. He picked me up on a union date on the south side of Chicago and taught me how to play. He got into me for a Boston three-star coronet and gin for the rest of his life. 
When he got down to running errands for Dutch Courtney, I left for Kansas City. A couple of months later, Courtney needed a patsy, and Trudeau was it. He wound up with a five-year stand at Leavenworth. But Gus never felt right unless he was in trouble. Only this time, he cut me in for a piece, too. Well, I picked up a drink at the bar and fought my way back to the stand. Anything wrong? No. Did you finish the set? One more to go, Jansen. All right, let's do it. What's wrong, Pete? A friend of ours killed Dutch Courtney. Jasmine. say killed Dutch Courtney? Gus Trudeau. What with? Brad? Trudeau's in jail. No, not since this morning. Which one of you is killing? I am. A friend of yours in town wants to see you right away. Who is it? He's waiting up at your room. Did he give a name? Just Gus. An hour later, I was still looking for an out. It was a little after 2 a.m. Our baseman, Red, loaned me his car keys and I slipped out. I got on to 12th Street and picked up his Erskine Coupe and headed up for my room. All the way out Grand Avenue, the streetlights were spending the rest of New Year's alone. Some guys with wide brooms were pushing at the confetti and the fog was loafing down in Washington Square. When I got to my place, I parked the car in back and headed up the stairs. College kids down at the end of the hall had their door open. Their party sounded young. I was looking for Gus when I opened the door, but he had a substitute. I knew her way back at 18th and Halstead. She was pretty and the fastest print in town. It must have been a long time ago. Because somewhere along the line, she'd run into a batch of Wednesday weekends. She wasn't pretty anymore. Hello, Pete. Where's your brother? I don't know where Gus is. That's why I'm here. 
I knew you'd be the first one he'd come to. Yeah. Now what about the break? I was up to see him two weeks ago. He didn't say anything about it. Pete, we've got to help him. I've been hearing that since I met him. You're the only one who remembers, Pete. You're the only one who cares. Yeah, well, a lot of people care now. Eddie Newman wants him. The cops are looking hard. I've got to find him before they do. You've got to help Pete. He was supposed to meet me. That's all I know. I'll wait for him. He needs a hand, Pete. He's in deep. Yeah, well, he's always in deep. Now, you do what you want, Madge. I ran front for Gus too long. I'm out of the habit now. Please. Gus wants cover. He can look for a police station. Gus can get away. Some money and a car. That's all he needs. It's going to take more than that to get out. Every cop in town's working tonight. Oh, give him a chance, Pete. Help him. No, no, thanks. Gus has been good to you, Pete. He taught you music. He's been nothing but good to you. I'm paid up. I bought his gin for five years. And do it for me. For what I used to be worth. Oh, it's old. It was 80 years ago. I can't help this. Do it for me. I haven't changed that much. I have. You're still the same. You've been working at it. And you remember. Yeah. Mm. Same, Petey. It's just like the first time. You never had a first time. How about a drink? Will you help me, Pete? Fine, Gus. Get him out of town. All right, ten bucks. As far as I go, ten bucks and a quarter. Now I'm getting off. Where are you going? Back to work. Tell Gus to take care of himself. Hold it right there, Pete. You stay too long in Chicago, Madge. I bought the gun in Kansas City. Don't go for the door. You better give it to Gus. He may need it. We're going to find him. You're going to help me. All right, come on. Give me the gun, Madge. If I shoot, it'll hurt. Come on, put it away, Madge. Come on, drop it. Who is she? Who trade? Who are you? Cage. I work downtown on homicide. What you got on your floor? Madge Trudeau. Tell me about her. I knew her in Chicago. After that, I heard she did favors for Dutch Court. After that, I don't know. She tired? What's she doing here? Looking for Gus Trudeau. Where is Gus? I don't know. I've been asked that twice tonight. This is the third time I don't know. You probably will. Why? Why do I have to get into this? Because you're Gus Trudeau's friend. Then let's get him another one. I'm tired of the job. I don't blame you, fella. You'll come out of this with a lot of trouble. For instance. I'll make it simple. If Gus Trudeau shows and you turn him over to Newman, we'll send you up as an accessory to murder. If he shows and you turn him over to us, Newman will probably kill you. Oh, that's real good. In the meantime, what do you guys do for a living? We're busy. We couldn't prove Newman kills him. It's after two. Get back to that club. And leave you here? I got work to do. Like what? This woman. See if I can get anything out of her. It's been done before, but I'll bet ten to one in your chair. Go on back. Outside here. Good night, cop. Leave the rugs. I left Cade standing in the middle of the room looking down at Madge Trudeau. He didn't watch me leave, but I figured it wouldn't be too long before he turned that gleam back on me. Well, I went back to 417 and ran into our piano man, Augie, outside in the alley trying to steal some clean air. Happy holidays, Petey. I've got it. I didn't see him. Oh, forget him. I got it all figured out for two of us, Petey. Today we'll spend our time dodging destiny. We'll hit for some small back room. I'll bring the bottle goods and we'll live on gin and sauerkraut and make the walls sit up and listen. One horn, one piano. The blues, Petey. We'll ride them in the middle of next year. All right, save it. Will you just set me straight? Right now, across the river, there's two places. The High Life Club or Fat Annie. You sure he's there? That's what the word is. I'll pass the hat down at the Union Hall for both of you. He's got alone over there. He is now, but there's going to be a crowd. What do you mean? I told you. Yeah. When Eddie Newman gets back, i got to tell him. <laughs> Thank you.
knew it was a silly move. Newman had a hundred guns on tour for Gus. Cage and the boys from headquarters were standing by for seconds. Helping Gus Trudeau was out of order. But I couldn't get one thing out of my mind. If Gus did kill Courtney, why didn't he pick up some travel money before he did it? I was backward. If you're going to hang up your pants, you take them off first. Well, it was about 3 a.m. when I got down to the river and crossed over to the Kansas side. The High Life Club was smoked up and had a little of everything, except Gus Trudeau. I looked in the kitchen and tried a back room, and I went to the bar to see if I could drum up some talk. I had one taker, a boy with wavy black hair. He got up from a table of three others, walked over and sat down next to me. Hello. Come in your office? That was the first time. Welcome. Buy a drink? No, I'm all set. Try one yourself. Oh, I think drinking is all right, but I hate people who drink too much, don't you? You work here. Well, not regularly. Sometimes I dance and the other act doesn't show up. You're here alone? Waiting for something. Waiting for a guy named Gus Trudeau. You one of his friends? I'm it. Where is he? he left a while ago. I'm not sure where he Well, get sure. It's important. I mentioned someone named Bessie. All right, hold it. Kelly. All right, get away, Newman. Try another stool. This'll do. If he asked you to leave, I think you should leave. Well, well. Choir boy. That's nice. Leave him alone. Who is he? I never saw him before. What's he know about Trudeau? Nothing. Don't kid me. You're not here to spend the time of day. You're here for Trudeau. You, little friend, where's Gus Trudeau? I don't have to talk to you. I'm a guest in this place. You're not anymore. Now climb down and head for that door, both of you. You can't make us do that. We're not going to leave. It's a split boat, Buster. I don't like the way he pushes. That's right. Just walk. I'll bet you look good. I knew right then. As we walked out, I knew Eddie Newman wasn't going to leave him alone. He was going to pick at him, whether he knew anything about Gus Trudeau or not. It was going to get messy. And the boy with the nice eyes was going to help. Outside, it wasn't snowing anymore, but the ground was covered right down to the river. The moon out, and it looked all right if you like nature. We walked over toward a bunch of trees. Newman's car was parked there, a black touring sedan with a strong-armed guy in the back seat. There was another one sitting on the running board. He had a machine gun across his lap. This'll do. All right. Now let's hear about Gus Trudeau. I don't know anything about him. This man and I were just talking. Go easy, Newman. I never saw him before. Does he always talk to strangers? I bet he does. None of your business. Where's Gus Trudeau? I, I wouldn't tell you. Suppose I knew I wouldn't tell you. Oh, yes, you would. Get the hands off of me. Stop pressing, Newman. You don't care about Trudeau now. You just don't like this guy. Stay out, Kelly. Come here, you. Stop screeching. I'll break your arm off. Keep your hands off of me, you big, dirty pig. You're in trouble, fella. Shut up. He is a pig. His, his hands are dirty and his teeth are dirty. I'll fit him and his clothes are dirty. Oh, that's right. Now lay there. All right, Dave, move in here. Back away, Kelly. You're up, choir boy. Please, please, Mr. Do something. Don't let a thing like this happen. It already has, Buster. We're all through, Newman. Come on, Dave. It's getting cold. Newman climbed into the car and they drove off. I stayed there a minute to look at the guy in the snow. His face was unmarked. I did him a favor. I rolled him over so it showed in the moonlight. I knew his mother'd want him to look good the night Eddie Newman's chopper squad cut him down. 
Well, the name Bessie had to mean Fat Annie's place up the river on the Kansas side. I made it there and found Bessie. She was back at the piano wandering around somewhere in the middle of the blues. You couldn't miss that voice if she took up yodeling. Bessie Smith. Hi, Pete. Hi, Bessie. What do you know? Round back, Pete. You go up the stairs. The loft. Way up there at the top. Thanks, Bessie. Okay, Pete. All right, Pete. my way out around back and up a couple of flights of stairs that didn't creak in time to the music. There was a door at the top. I pushed it open. He was hunched back on a pile of hay in the corner. He sat up and blinked a couple of times. There wasn't much left, just the frame. And rattling around inside, a lot of tired echoes that wouldn't lay down and die. There was an empty gin bottle on the floor. Petey, I knew you'd get here. Yeah, well, I didn't make it easy. You're looking good, Petey. Everything's six to an even, huh? You forget easy, Gus. You're in a jam. You broke jail. Yeah, I told him all about you up there, Petey. I told him there's another Gus Trudeau blowing down at Kansas City. I'm proud of you, Petey. Yeah, sure, Gus. You're just like me, Petey. I told him all about you. You're the only good thing I ever done. I knew you'd come through. Car and some money, Petey. It'll do everything. It'll make it all new. Is it too much to ask? You tell me, Petey. They want you for Dutch Courtney. You know better, Pete. I didn't kill Dutch. Well, you had a reason. Did I? I forget. He hung a frame on you, Gus. Five years worth, remember? I didn't kill Dutch. Give me a drink, a boy. No, not tonight. Don't preach at me. Just something to help me on. Yeah, now come in out of the fog, Gus. You're going to get a drink or a train ticket for me. Take your pick because it's the last time around. Just listen to that. Bessie's still going strong, ain't she? Yeah, and so are the cops. I got one idea for you, Gus. Get moving. You remember Chicago, Petey? You and Madge? Chicago always liked me. You checked out, Gus. Biterbeck's got your chair. They'll remember me and you, Petey. I found you when you were nothing. What are you going to do? Where are you going? I got it all set up. It's big and brand new. A place in Mexico. Yeah? The guy who bunked in my cell with me, his mother runs a place down there. It'll be just like it used to be. You won't get there on a gin bottle. I got it set up, boy. A car and some money. It's not much to ask. You haven't got a drink, have you? You can drink in Mexico. Where are you dreaming up the car in the dough? It's fixed, boy. You just see this guy and tell him I'm ready. Abe Gaffney. He's got a place on Pershing Road. You know it? Yeah, I know it. Abe's doing all this? Just tell him I'm ready. How's Madge? She's all right. Come and see me, huh? It's hot down in Mexico. It's hot here. What's the matter, Pete? You ain't sore, are you? No, I ain't sore. I'm just tired. I'll tell Gaffney and then I'm checking out. Goodbye, Gus. You're not getting too big for your old friends, are you, boy? Friends are like everything else, Gus. Yeah? They wear out on you. wasn't any different than a dozen times before. I knew there wasn't very much left, but I wasn't looking for a second-rate ghost with an empty gin bottle. I crossed the river to the Missouri side, headed down Main Street, and then I swung over toward Abe Gaffney's place on Pershing Road. It was pushing close to 5.30 a.m. The sun wasn't up yet, and the night was too tired to care. I pulled up in front of the Murad sign out in front of Gaffney's. 
Inside, a counterman with pimples and coffee was leaning on last night's paper. A beaded curtain shut off the hallway that led back to Gaffney's room. You want something? Yeah, Gaffney. Not here. Where do I find him? I don't know. I was supposed to meet him here. That's so? Look, this is Gaffney's place. Where is he? I told you. Now, listen, Junior. Maybe you think you do a good imitation of Calvin Coolidge, but I want an answer. Where's Gaffney? What's your name? Kelly. You could have saved an argument this way. Through the curtain. When do you go to bed, Kelly? Yeah. You still looking, Newman? Still asking. Where's Guts? I don't think you give me time to answer. There's a good reason why I let you walk away tonight. I gave you two hours all by yourself on the Kansas side. I don't think you threw him away. You got a line on Gus Trudeau, and I want it. I got nothing for you. Don't be silly, Pete. The cops get him or I do. He goes either way. You get no help from me. I don't want help. I want Gus. Now, come on. Come on. Come on, or I'll make you part of the wallpaper. You better send for Dave. I don't need it. I think you do. I don't bother to get up. I'm leaving. I don't believe it. Wasn't your turn, Kelly. When I got up off the floor, the room was cold and the lights were out. Newman was gone, but I knew he was still in business. I knew if he didn't find Gus Trudeau this trip, he'd come back for me. Well, I got into Red's car and followed the radiator cap back to 417. I found out in the back of the stand having breakfast. Did you bring an egg, Pete? Kitchen's closed down. Newman been back here? I haven't noticed. You look abused. Yeah. Did anybody say anything? Well, missed. You heard the news? What's that? They found the guy who got Dutch Courtney. Fellow by the name of Doyle. East St. Louis. Cops got the goods on it. Gun, fingerprints, the works. What was his beef with Dutch? Doyle owned East St. Louis. Dutch wouldn't believe it. Leave it to Gus. There's a hole he'll fall in it. Makes it easier, doesn't it? Newman will call his boys off now. Somebody better tell him in a hurry. Did you see Gus? Yeah, I saw him. He's trying to get out of town. That's right. You're a hard man to find. Newman came in the front door. I went out the back. Just want to take him home. Car keys and money for Gus. Oh, you got the wrong guy, Abe. I quit an hour ago. Fight it out with yourself. Car's out in the alley. Great Chandler. Tell Gus it's low on gas. No, wait a minute. You can take this stuff to Gus. You know where he is. No, thanks. You take care of Gus. He's an old friend. What's the matter with you? I hardly know him. The clock over the bar said 6.15. We got back on the stand and started the last set. Eighty pounds of stale cigarette smoke was holding up the ceiling, waving down in a dirty blue curtain over the dance floor. Behind the bar, one of the guys was wiping up. Two couples picked their way to the dance floor and pushed each other around a while. They finally gave up. Oh, the whole thing was all out of step. Wrinkled stockings, brown gardenias, torn paper hats, and Gus Trudeau. He walked in the door and stood off to one side, just back of the stand. Hey, Pete, Gus got here. You say it now. Don't make book on it. All right, last one. The blues and B-flat.
that's it. Same call tonight, 10 o'clock. You can talk. Hey, Petey, over here. I heard you. You sound good, Pete. Just what I told him up there. You're on your way, boy. All right, now you heard it, Gus. Here's the money. And the car keys. I'll see you, Gus. You know what I told him? Another Gus Trudeau was blown down at Kansas City. Yeah, yeah. All right, boy. I'm leaving. Happy New Year, Gus. Hi, Madge. Hold it there, Pete. The family fight. Stay out. I thought I took that gun away from you. What's the matter, Madge? What are you doing? Don't tell me that talk, Gus. Dutch can't hear you. What do you mean, Madge? You killed him. You blew your top and killed him just like you did everything else for me. You and that gin and that cheap brass horn of yours. You spat us all. Pete and me, you ran through the whole bunch till you got to Dutch. Gee, I didn't do anything. You killed Dutch Courtney. I loved him. I loved him enough to swear it. You got it wrong, Madge. Goodbye, Gus. I'll tell him to throw your horn in after you. Read the paper, Madge. You killed the wrong brother. Stay away, Pete. It's in the paper, Madge. Guy by the name of Doyle, he killed Dutch. They're not sure. Are they? They're sure. What'll I do? I got two things for you, Madge. And the car keys. Now you see what you can do with ten minutes start. You didn't have anything more for Gus, did you, Pete? No, I guess not. Well, huh? Yeah. Gus finally got out of town. Pete Kelly's Blues, starring Jack Webb. Story by Jim Moser, music by Dick Cathcart. Scoring by Matty Matlock. Pete Kelly's Blues is based on characters created by Richard L. Green. You've been listening to Jack Webb in his uh, classic series, Pete Kelly's Blues. Uh, This has been uh, Fortunato on uh, Gremlin Time. We're going to get on out of here. Thanks for listening. I'll be back again next month with the Bedtime Radio Show for Grown Ups. Stay tuned for Self-Help Radio. They're coming up. But right now, let's have some real music. This is a series that used to be on uh, public television, and it was hosted by Art Hodes, a great piano player, and he had a bunch of guys in to just jam in the old trad style. They say that, you know, the beboppers, they could flat a fifth. But the old uh, Dixieland guys, they would drink that fifth. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next month.
listener-supported community radio, KBOO Portland. Do you love music but don't have the energy to find new stuff? Can't decide whether you want to hear indie rock or hip-hop, electronic music or singer-songwriters? Then tune into Another Late Night every first Saturday at 3 a.m. only on KBOO Community Radio. Or stream online at kboo.fm slash another late night, where we've got it all. KBOO Radio is hiring. We are currently accepting applications for the position of membership coordinator.